0: Welcome back to the Naga Notes podcast sponsored by Zephyr Wellness. I'm Jake Wiskirchen, I'm your host, and this week's podcast discusses defensive functioning or uh, being defensive. And I recorded it in my truck while I was driving around, it was a little new experiment that I'm doing because um, I'm I'm pretty busy and it, it takes a while to to cut these things and uh, sit down and edit them, especially when you got noisy kids running around or a, a just a, a busy life. So I just decided to try this and uh, I think it worked out pretty well, so I await your feedback, let me know how it Uh, strikes your ears, but uh, in in general, defensive functioning is what we deploy, and we all do this from time to time. We deploy these defenses to keep our worldviews intact so that we don't have to make too much of an effort to step outside our comfort zones and integrate new information into the way that we see things or the way that we want to see things. Instead, we'll just get defensive, and it comes out in different ways, um, but the defensiveness keeps us safe. It keeps us at home, even in sometimes in our own discomfort or our uh, our own... Uh, misery or chaos. Uh, we'll we'll get more and more defensive. Uh, the more and more actual reality is confronting what we perceive to be reality. So, I hope you enjoyed the discussion. I only went into uh, I think about a half dozen of these. Uh, just a small handful of the very long list. I would say it's even. Uh, it, it, I don't think the list could ever be exhausted. I think that even though there's uh, some that are listed in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, Version Four. Uh, really, the list is as long as uh, humans uh, are diverse in the way that we try to defend our egos against um, introduction of new information. We all, we all have our own different ways of doing it, so they may not fall neatly into these categories, but you'll get the genera- general idea. So thanks for listening. As always, reach out to us at info at nogginnotes.com or info at zephyrwellness.org. And um, be well, and hope you enjoy this conversation, uh, or I guess it's a monologue, it's not a conversation, uh, about defensive functioning. Thanks. Hey, so I was invited recently, uh, or maybe demanded, (laughs) I'm not sure which, uh, to do a podcast on defensiveness and why people get defensive and and so forth. And and so my clinical ears hear this as uh, defensive functioning, and that's that's how I interpret this stuff. So when when people get defensive, their limbic system flares, and they don't want to hear what's being said, I view it through the lens of defensive functioning, and there are several levels by which people can become defensive. Some are healthier than others, and I'm not, I'm not going to get into great detail about those levels in this particular podcast. But what I do want to point out is that we all get defensive from time to time, and the reasons behind that. And then I want to compare and contrast some stuff. Before I get into that, if you're hearing some background noise that you're not necessarily used to on this podcast, it's because I'm recording this while I'm driving, um, I, I've just become so busy these days that uh, for those of you loyal listeners uh, who happen to notice, last week I didn't even have a podcast because I uh, spaced it. I, I just I just got busy and. I made apologies to Safiso for not recording something, and uh, sometimes that's that's just life. So while I'm driving, I hope that uh, some car doesn't. Uh Get cut, cut me off by a driver who's uh, being inattentive and caused me to swear openly into the microphone and expose the very lack of mo- emotional control that I'm inviting everybody to embrace through this series of podcasts. But if that happens, first of all, please forgive me. And second of all, just know that we are all human and none of us are perfect, including me, even though I put myself out there as this guy who knows things about emotional functioning and is um, portending to, to teach these things, I too make mistakes. I too can become victim to the bad driver on the road. So anyway, um, what defensive functioning does is it protects our egos from the very present reality that we don't necessarily want to acknowledge. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on ego versus uh, true self. That's a, that's a conversation for uh Jungian analytic psychology podcast maybe later on. Um, if you want to learn more, you can certainly check out the Zephyr Wellness YouTube channel and uh, re- examine the, the understanding, the psyche videos that I do, it's a a little whiteboard presentation, learn more about that, but the idea is that the ego that we all have, and we all have these egos, they're neither good nor bad, Um, ego is our version of reality, and it's useful, it it tells us how to navigate the world, it tells us what to expect, and and it draws from previous experiences, and tries to formulate an anticipated interaction later on down the road. So we all have these egos and they, and they float from time to time into different shapes and spheres and so forth. But the idea is that when an ego, which is your anticipated version of reality, that's your, that's your most familiar spot in your awareness... When that gets confronted by something that, that we can't quite digest because it may be so far divergent from from what we know. For example, a highly racist person suddenly encountering a person of a different race who's, who's not at all like they were taught to believe. That's a confrontation to the ego. It creates a, a psychic, and I don't mean like in the palm reading, um, you know, staring into the crystal ball psychic, but, but in the psyche... Uh, your soul, your your being, it creates a psychic conflict, and there's psychic or psychological distress that that occurs with this, because your version of reality, your ego view, is now being challenged by actual reality, and there's nothing we can do with actual reality except acknowledge it and embrace it. Now, some people who have spent a lot of time. Fighting actual reality and trying to fit actual reality into their version of reality will experience a lot of psychological distress. And uh, I've shared this enough times to know that there are people who are probably nodding in agreement with me, um, either because they've gone through it themselves or they know people who encounter this type of thing. And so, what ends up happening is you got this version of reality, and uh, actual reality confronts it. And if you spent so much time practicing your version of it, either through parental teaching or coaching from others or society telling you what should be, that when actual reality confronts you, you don't know how to digest it. So let me give you a real quick example. I'm driving on a road right now. I happen to be at a red light. Uh, Red lights tell me that cars should be stopped in the direction I'm traveling. Now, what if... A car doesn't stop or what if a car blows the light that's actual reality happening to me it doesn't matter what I think should be happening I have to reconcile actual reality with my version of what a red light quote-unquote should be and if I can't do that because I've been so locked into rigidity saying cars shouldn't blow red lights Then what I've got is psychic conflict. I've got a a psychological distress occurring. And this all relates to emotional functioning, and we can get into that later. But the idea is that my ego, which is the version of reality I prefer, is now being challenged by actual reality, meaning the car that's blowing the red light. Now if I'm at peace, and I've experienced life, and I've experienced a series of people blowing red lights, and so forth, then I can I can make peace with that, and I can say, all right, this this thing is happening, it's not the end of the world, I can integrate it into my version of reality, and therefore expand my, my ego consciousness, and say, all right, I'm now aware of the idea that not everybody heeds red lights, some people blow through red lights, and uh, most of us don't, but this is a real thing that's actually happening and I don't need to fight it or pretend it doesn't exist. Now, sometimes people who aren't good at integrating new information into their egos will employ, will, will deploy these defense mechanisms and these defense mechanisms vary. I'm going to go through three pairs real quick and I'm going to, I'm going to compare and contrast them. So that you guys can get an idea of, of what is healthy versus what is unhealthy. So the first one is, I want to I want to compare suppression versus repression. Now we hear these terms a lot, like ah uh, you're 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 repressing memories or you're repressing emotion um, versus suppressing emotion. So the way that the uh, the DSM four uh, and we're now on the DSM-5, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. That's DSM. Um, and then it's the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. That's, that's our, that's our quote-unquote Bible. That's, a, that's how we diagnose things, and that's how we evaluate people's conditions and whatnot. We're on the DSM-5. But the DSM-4 had a section in it called... Uh, a, 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 glossary of specific uh, defense mechanisms and coping styles. Now, this glossary outlines and defines all the defense mechanisms and coping styles that we have of dealing with emotional distress, or in other words, when actual reality confronts our version of reality. For some reason, the authors of the DSM took it out in the DSM-5. Um, I find that greatly distressing, and that's my challenge to my version of reality <laughs> that has to match actual reality. But the idea is that they took it out of the DSM-5, and I don't think that's a good thing, because what we're doing is we're, we're basically walking away from what people do in their, in their theoretical, psychological world... And the DSM-5 is now paying more heed to things like biological functioning and genetic influences and, and behaviorism. And they're walking away from the, the theoretical realm that says, hey, we don't know everything that we, we think we know about the mind and how it works. Um, and they're trying to quantify it. So I don't think it's a good thing that these things were removed. But if you pick up an old dsm 4 you're going to find this stuff. And it's in pages uh, like 809, 810, 811, some, somewhere around there. And it talks about the, the different levels of, of defensive functioning. Anyway, back to suppression and repression. Uh, all of these defensive functions start with the phrase the individual deals with emotional conflict or internal or external stress by, and then it goes on to tell you how they deal with it. So suppression is the individual deals with emotional conflict or internal or external stress by intentionally avoiding thinking about things that uh, disturb them, like disturbing problems, wishes, feelings, experiences. Now repression says that the individual deals with emotional conflict or internal or external stressors by expelling the disturbing wishes, thoughts, or experiences from, from your conscious awareness. Now, the key there is that the feeling component, meaning the emotional component, may remain conscious. It may remain in your awareness. You may be aware that you're hurt or angry or, or ashamed or whatever, but it's detached from whatever caused it. It's detached from its associated ideas. So the difference between suppression and repression is a, is a difference between Purposely avoiding things in suppression and unconsciously or involuntarily avoiding them in repression. So if you confront somebody with a repressed feeling or memory or experience, they're not even aware that they've repressed it it's just stuck in there somewhere, but their feeling component remains, meaning they're, they're walking around in a, in a very um, anxietized state, or they're very ashamed, or they may be very sad, and they don't really know why, or they may, may um, ascribe it to something that's not related. Whereas the suppressing person may say, yeah, that thing actually happened to me, and I just choose not to talk about it, man. And that's cool, Like, like we can respect that. The repressing person says, no, I don't, uh, that's not a thing, it never really bothered me. But meanwhile, they're grouchy and irritable about um, whatever topic it is that you bring up that's r- relative to the, the thing that they're repressing. So there's a very subtle difference there, but the idea is that there is a difference, and one is conscious versus unconscious avoidance of the emotion. So the next pair that I want to highlight is something called displacement, versus sublimation. Now, sublimation, which is the healthy one, just like suppression was the healthy one. Sublimation is um, the individual, the, the other person, deals with emotional conflict or internal or external stress by channeling what are potentially unhealthy or maladaptive, is the, is the clinical term, feelings or impulses into socially acceptable behavior. So, for example, you might Take something that really irritates you. You're aware of it, and again, this is about awareness. You're aware of it. You're conscious of it. You're going to take that stuff, and you're going to channel it into something like uh, sports. You might you might take a, a, an angry impulse, and you go lift weights, and you're like, ah, man, I'm pissed off at my boss today. I'm going to go work out really hard at the gym today. That's fine. That that's called that's called sublimation. You're sublimating. You're channeling something into a different activity. Now displacement is unhealthy and displacement is defined by uh, the the individual, the person dealing with their internal or external stress or their emotional conflict by transferring their feeling about uh, an object or their their response to an object onto another substitute object and these substitute objects are usually harmful, I'm sorry they're usually harmless and they're, they're a lot less threatening and so what ends up happening is they, they're aware of their anger. They know they're angry. They're, they're irritable. They're grouchy. They're pissed off at whatever they're doing. But instead of going to the gym and saying, I'm intentionally removing this energy from my body, from my mind, from my psyche, from my physical being, what they end up doing is they transfer it onto a substitute object and a classic case of this is people who are irritated by emails that they receive um you know some bad news or whatever and then they end up yelling at their kids or they they have a bad day at work and they come home and they kick the dog who's you know just just chilling there like like the poor dog like he doesn't know any different but come home and you're grouchy and it's like oh why is the dog in my way boot it's like, whoa, what, what are you doing? You're carrying a lot of emotional energy from the day and you're bringing it home or, or we yell at our spouses, um, that kind of thing. So what we want to do is we want to be aware of, of the difference between displacement as a defense mechanism and um, sublimation as a defense mechanism. Both are defense mechanisms. Both help to try to protect the ego from, you know, taking on this new information that's, that's possibly disturbing but we want to choose the one that's healthier, and sublimation is obviously healthier. I want to go for a jog, or I want to listen to some music, or if it's me, I want to go, you know, brew a beer in my garage or something. If I'm having a bad day, I certainly don't want to yell at my kids, and I don't want to kick my dogs, and I don't want to yell at my wife. Um, so I want to be aware of this stuff. So the degree of awareness absolutely matters. Um, now, the last pair of of defense mechanisms I want to I want to compare and contrast here so you you get the idea between healthy and unhealthy is the difference between um self-assertion and help rejecting i'm I'm sorry self-assertion and passive aggression uh by the way there's there's a long list of these there's uh there's probably three pages i think there's if i think about it's front back and then front of these defense mechanisms but self-assertion uh when you're when you're troubled with something the individual deals with this emotional uh stress or internal or external uh stress or emotional conflict by um, what you do is you you express your thoughts or your feelings directly in a way that's uh not manipulative and you're not trying to coerce people so you, you've got these thoughts, you've got these feelings, and you, and you self-assert. You, you just come right to the person or the thing or the object or the event or whatever is causing it, and you say, hey, man, uh, this makes me upset. That's self-assertion. Now, the reason it's a defense mechanism is you're, you're trying to integrate this new, um, this new information into your ego space. Uh, you, your ego says that life should be a certain way, life ends up not going a certain way, it goes a different way, and what you do is you say, hey, I'm upset about this. So you're acknowledging it, you're embracing it, you're saying this is a problem, and you're being healthy about it. Now, passive aggression is not assertion by any set. Um, and what passive aggression does, and, and we can all probably imagine what it means, but passive aggression, the literal definition is, uh, the individual deals with emotional conflict or internal external stress, by indirectly and unassertively expressing your aggression toward others. But you have a facade. you have a, you have a, you have a fake face uh, of, of compliance, but it's masking your resistance to what's going on. You, you might have uh, resentment or you might have loss or hostility, you know, some sort of like like feelings of, of hurt. Um, but your face says otherwise. And so there's there's this passivity that's masking the hostility, and uh, and the definition says something to the effect of passive aggression uh, usually occurs in response to uh, somebody asking you to um, perform or or do independent action, um, but the lack of your own wishes being fulfilled um, is is troubling you. So um, now this passive aggression may actually be w- Uh, Healthy in people who are in subordinate positions who have no other way to express their displeasure. So, like, for example, if you're at work and your boss doesn't give you any sort of avenue to express your displeasure, passive aggression may come through in the form of um, maybe refusing to attend the company party or do the little rah-rah thing that, that everybody is doing Um, So you're like, screw you! I'm not, I'm not going to be a part of your company. But privately, you're still looking like a good employee. You may make an excuse for like, oh, I'm sick. I can't, I can't attend that that event because deep inside, you hate everybody who's there. You don't like your boss. You know that your boss has a performance quota that says if all company the employees under him show up to the thing, then he gets a bonus. And you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hose you by not showing up. But I'm not going to tell the truth that the reason I'm not showing up is because I hate you. I'm just not going to show up because um, I'm sick. And that's what everybody thinks is going on. But privately, uh, I just hate you. So that's passive aggression. Passive aggression is also um, sitting in a restaurant getting bad service, and instead of uh, addressing the restaurant manager or, or even the, the server by saying, you know, I, I'm disappointed with this service, please fix my order, um, you instead write, screw you in mustard on the table <laughs> and leave, and you don't leave a tip. That would be passive-aggressive. Self-assertion would be taking your complaint to the manager or to, to the server herself And saying, hey, you know, my fries were overcooked and crispy and I didn't enjoy them. That would be self-assertion. So we want to be aware of this stuff. We want to know when our egos are getting challenged. We want to know when our version of reality is being confronted with actual reality. We want to acknowledge the emotional distress that comes along with that. And then we want to try to reconcile in as healthy of a way of, as possible, with, either by sublimating our energies into a, a good activity. We want, to, um, uh, we want to, we want to, we want to self assert, or we want to maybe, um, you know, suppress some things that aren't necessarily appropriate to share all the time. What we don't want to do is we don't want to displace our anger on others. We don't want to. Be passive aggressive to others, and uh, we certainly don't want to repress stuff so that it comes blowing out in in unconscious ways on other people. So um, that's that's my my overview of defensive functioning. I could go on and on. There's there's a uh, uh, tons of these things. There's a couple dozen uh, defensive mechanisms that that we deploy to keep our ego safe. Some of them are as um, as unhealthy as uh, reaction formation. I'm going to let you guys look these up. I'm not going to define them. Reaction formation, um, isolation of affect. Uh, that's an easy one, actually. That's where you just pretend that you're not feeling. Um, rationalization, intellectualization, uh, splitting, um, autistic fantasy, autistic denial, um, psychotic denial. These these are all these are all ways that we can. Um, avoid encountering reality in unhealthy ways humor is a humor is a healthy way of encountering reality assertion um uh uh, altruism you know trying to shoot for for the greater that would be a healthy way to do it but anyway the idea is that there's a much healthier way to to integrate when actual reality confronts your what you want reality to be and then um, go about your life, you know, expanding awareness, meeting people where they are, and not denying that things are actually happening the way that they're happening. Um, and I think there's practical application for this, and certainly in things like news media and politics, when we want things to go a certain way, they end up not going a certain way. And then uh, instead of just being like, well, that's the way it is, you know, I need to make peace with this new reality, we, we try to fight it, and then we end up being boorish jerks about it. Uh, excuse me as i choke my own spit um so i i, I hope this was illuminating i hope this brought some sort of awareness to you hope you didn't mind the background noise as i was traveling um i actually found this uh pretty nice to be able to just like drive and stare out the window and talk while i'm while i'm driving so uh, i may do this again but uh in any event if you like what you heard and you want to give us a shout out please reach out to info at nogginnotes.com or info at and I'll be happy to, to you know, correspond or integrate your comments into a new podcast. And on behalf of the Naga Notes team, I thank you for listening. On behalf of the Zephyr Wellness family, uh, we thank you for continuing to expand the horizons of mental wellness. And uh, please do share this with people. Give us a rating and a review on iTunes or Google Play or uh, wherever you find this stuff, Patreon uh, radio public. Um, we, we really appreciate your, your loyalty. So thanks. And we'll see you again next week. Bye-bye.